5, verse 33. Again, Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is really emphasizing purity and the posture of our hearts before God. Because on the inside is what He really cares about, because that will turn into action. So that's where we pick up. So 5.33 says, Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is His footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And so let's take a look um, as far as uh, what's really going on here. What is Jesus talking about? And the whole like time he's been on the Sermon on the Mount, he's been talking to his people, he says, you heard it has been said, you heard it has been said, you heard it has been said. And basically he's just like bringing them back to like the Ten Commandments and kind of just giving a better explanation as far as what God really intended behind the commandment. Not just that you don't do that action, but that hopefully there's enough purity in your heart before that action happens. And the reason why you did it is for the right reasons, because that's the part that God cares about. And that's sometimes a difficult part with us, because really only God knows our really motives and desires of why we're doing things. And so he says, Again you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. And, if you, and in your Bible... You have like these little footnotes, right? There's like little letters there, you know, little footnotes. And what they do is they take you kind of throughout the Bible to different places that, you know, are talking about something similar in that passage. And uh, those footnotes that are there take you back to uh, the third commandment. And so that's kind of where Jesus um, is talking about something. He's bringing some clarity on the third commandment. Well, how is the third commandment related to what we're talking about? Well, before we can look at that, got to figure out what the third commandment actually is. So does anybody know what the third commandment actually is? It's kind of a tough one. It doesn't get too much press or popularity. Some of the other ones do. Right? But the third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So basically don't take, you know, the Lord's name in vain. Don't profane it. And you could do that in a few different ways. Um, certainly you don't want to use God's name or Jesus' name in any sort of swear word at all of any kind. Like, that's kind of the obvious take from that. You certainly don't want to do that. Um, you also want to be very, very careful um, when you hear phrases like, well, God told me to this, God showed me to do this, or God spoke to me in this way. You want to be very, extremely careful to do that because you don't want to do that in vain and kind of flippant way to do that. Because God certainly has His plans and His directions and if what you're saying is from God and it produces some other result, that's not going to be good for other people watching and seeing that and really won't be good for you in the end because you'll just kind of be in this denial place. And if you've been around the Christian circles at all for any amount of time... What you've noticed is that sometimes when people feel a little bit like unsettled or um, they feel like there's not enough credibility to what they're saying, you know, if you throw in, well, like God told me, 
And a God showed me in there. That's like, oh, that cements that one out for him, you know. And then, like, maybe you'll take them seriously. That's just not something we really want to get involved in. I mean, on very rare occasions, I absolutely think that God, you know, speaks, shows, tells somebody something. And they have to share that. And then say, geez, you know, God showed me this thing. But, you know, if it's all the time an everyday conversation, we really got to start thinking about it. Like, there should be some thought behind exactly how we're using it. Right? So you don't want to use it in swear words. You want to be careful when you're talking about it as far as God speaking to us. And then, you want to be careful about swearing by it. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you could, just keep your finger at Matthew 5. And we're just going to flip over a little bit later in Matthew to 23. Matthew chapter 23, verses 16. So if you flip over a little bit to verse 16. This gives us a little bit more insight as far as like what was going on with these guys and why was he talking about this swearing stuff. So at verse 16 is where we pick up. And Jesus at this point is kind of like really giving it to the Pharisees and religious leaders because they've really been messing up a lot. So that's why you kind of hear this tone of like unsatisfaction, we'll say. So verse 16 he says, Woe to you, you blind guides! You say, if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools! Like this is why I'm talking about this tone here. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? You also say, if anyone swears by the altar, it means nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on it, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? Therefore, he who swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And he who swears by the temple swears by it and the one who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven swears by God's throne and by the one who sits on it. And you can kind of go back to where we were before. But basically, what these guys would do, the religious leaders, leaders, what they would do is they would swear by all kinds of things. They would swear by earth, the heavens, gold, the temple, Jerusalem. Okay? And if they didn't keep that oath, what they would do sometimes they would say, well... I did not swear by the name of God on that. And so that was kind of like their little bit of a loophole. And so Jesus is saying, listen, hey, as long as you made an oath, I don't care what it's by because it all belongs to God anyways. The heavens, the gold, the altar, anything anyways, you're bound just simply because it's an oath, not because of what you're swearing by. You see, the religious leaders of the day were really good as far as finding like little loopholes and ways to kind of get out of things and maneuver their way. And again, that's something I find all the time at work, you know, with 15 and 16 year olds where they're testing the lines and trying to find the loopholes and, you know, what really counts and am I really going to get graded for this and do I really have to do this and do that? And, and probably some of it um, is a little bit smart, but a lot of it is really kind of negative and not going to be helpful for them because they're just trying to get out of stuff. And as we become adults, we can also become very, very skilled at that as well. And we don't want to be skilled at that. There's other better things to be skilled at. So that was the problem that Jesus was trying to address and that he was facing. And the reason why he was coming down kind of hard about this whole making a vow, making an oath, making a pledge, 
was because early on in the Bible, right, God told them. He said, listen, if you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to pay it. For the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from making a vow, you will not be guilty. Whatever your lips utter, you must be sure to do, because you made your vow freely to the Lord your God with your own mouth. Right? He takes it like really seriously when we take vows and make commitments. And some of that certainly translates into everyday language and speech and interactions as well. But especially as far as God goes, really matters a lot. And so last week we talked about divorce because Jesus brought that issue up and it's probably only kind of makes sense for Jesus to kind of get his point home a little bit. It was right after talking about divorce, talking about oaths, pledges, and vows. You know, it makes sense to follow up to see what you're actually doing, you know, at that altar, that most important part of the day. And we talked about last week how there's just so much time, money, and energy spent into all the other stuff, but those vows, the heavy-duty-ness, if that's even a word, that comes with that. It's huge. And that's the way God sees that. And he says, listen, you're better off just not even making a vow. Might have some good intentions behind it and you really want to do it, but be very, very careful about that vow you're going to make. Really think about that. So what we're going to do is we are going to take a look at two principles, I guess, or two things to look at from what Jesus is talking about um, from these oaths, from these pledges. So here's the first principle that I think Jesus is trying to hit home and really get across. No fillers. And the reason why I have the Taco Bell thing there, at the, you know, you don't know Kiero Taco Bell, right? They got in trouble a little while ago for is there meat, really meat, and were they sticking like other stuff in it? And what kind of fillers were in there, you know, because they want to put the fillers in there to, you know, add to their food and make it seem like more than really what it was. And so they're in trouble for that. And so we don't want to do that um, because we should not need, as Christians, as people, need word crutches to get people to believe us. That's why Jesus closed it up as saying, you know what? Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. As far as oaths and swearing and stuff like that, what do you need to do that for? Like, why would you need to add extra to what you're already saying, to what you're already committing? And that's why, personally, I like to be around the type of people that are like straight shooters. I mean, I'm sure you kind of know these people. I just call them straight shooters. Um, but these people are like, you know, they have a certain knack, a certain tact for just like identifying things right away and just like, just identifying it. Sometimes calling people out or just observing something. And like you can tell if you're in a room full of other people, it makes the ones that are like not really keen on that, like a little bit uncomfortable, you know? And, and maybe they're not the best in really delivering the truth or really the idea behind what's going on. Um, but at least they're putting it out there and you can see it. There's no filler at all involved with them. You know, I, I enjoy being around those types of people that are just straight shooters. Tell me how it is. Tell me what's really going on. Um, I can appreciate that, and I think Jesus would be able to appreciate that as well. Um, but this is tough for those of us who are people pleasers and people packers. You know, people pleasers and people packers? Well, people pleasers, obviously, they just want to please everybody else and just kind of be like, yes, people. It's very, very difficult to say no. People packers 
are ones that pack their schedule so tight with things and it's so difficult because they can't say no to anything. And so when you're trying to be you know, straight, upfront, forthright with people, no fillers at all, it becomes difficult because that might mean you have to say no to things. And that's not always the easiest things to do because maybe your intent, your desires, maybe you want to do it and you help out and you want to commit. But again, we got to like step back and kind of like calculate and figure out, all right, is this exactly something that we want to do? And so having that ability to say no, I think is something that is critical. Because when we don't say no, we know we get into the trouble of, oh yeah, I can do this, and oh yeah, I can do that, and then, you know, you find yourself in the middle of it, I'm sure you've been there, and it's just like you got all these things to commit to, and you can't really do it, and then excuses try to, you know, weasel their way in, and it becomes very difficult. And so Jesus says, you know what, no fillers at all, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. So what is the second thing, second thing that maybe Jesus is talking about? Time is good sometimes. Time is good sometimes. Right? So if you're looking at the clock, right, it's just a bunch of math, right? And even if you don't know the math, you just put the math there in place of the numbers, people already have a scared and worried look on their face. It's really funny. See the numbers come up, some square root signs. You say, oh my God. It just like brings up, you know, just this awful feeling that you have from your past and your math. And... But... Time is good sometimes. So what do I mean by that? What am I really talking about? Well, when there are serious decisions and oaths to be made, taking advantage of time and education is great because then you can count the cost. And that's something that we should really be good at in 2012. Maybe not so much because we have a ton of time, because let's face it, we are all super busy and it's very difficult and it's just like, it's such a stretch sometimes just to find um, some time. It's so much tough just to find maybe 15 or 20 minutes just of quality time just to try and get, you know, with God. And I mean, and then you try and, you know, you fit in everything else between your work and then your kids and, you know, choices you have to catch up on and all that stuff. It just packs up really quickly. But education part, we should be pretty good at in 2012 because we can really talk to a lot of people that have better experience. There's resources out there. There's this thing called the internet. I don't know if you heard of it. It's pretty amazing. It has a lot of stuff out there to really help us if you use it in a positive way as a real good educating tool. What do I need to know about this? How much is it going to cost me? If it goes really sour and goes poorly for me, what might happen? Or if it really turns out to go well and successfully, what might that mean? What might that look like? Like that should be like a regular part of our lives to try and take time, evaluate, and educate ourselves when decisions are important. You know, things like buying cars, buying houses, committing to plans, uh, and of course the big ones, you know, which we've already talked about, um, you know, with marriage probably being at the center there. Um, those things are important. I think they require the certain time, care, and commitment that's do them. I remember being very excited um, about, you know, while I was engaged with Julie, yes, being excited that we we're just engaged, I was like, oh my gosh, like she's giving me a chance. Um, but also, um, one of the first purchases that we made while we were engaged um, was we bought um, 2006 Mitsubishi Galant. And, 
you know, not a super nice car, but it was like for us, it was, uh, we were probably a few months, you know, engaged, um, but, you know, we realized the importance of just trying to get in a good pattern of making good decisions. You know, and for us, you know, what we did is, you know, we researched the cars, you know, we checked them out, we printed stuff off, you know, and other people did it too, you know, but we came together, you know, for the first time and we were making a decision together and trying to figure things out. But a good chunk of that process involved both of us, you know, just praying together and saying, God, you know, is this a good car? Is this something we should buy? Can we afford it? You know, do we have money for that? And... It doesn't really maybe sound, you know, all that big or that impressive, but, you know, for us just starting off and just getting relationships started, it's an important decision. It's a good chunk of cash for two people that have no money at all and just a lot of debt from school. You know, that was a big thing. Um, so we needed to take that time and educate ourselves. And that was a successful time. And I could list you, also list you off, you know, times where we weren't so successful. Um, but it's always a struggle. But it's something that we're called to do. You know, if we call ourselves Christians and Christ followers, we want to do the best with what we have and be the best stewards with what we have. Because stewardship is really the name of the game. You know, God owns it all. He lets us hold some stuff for a little while. And hopefully while we had it, we brought glory to Him. We reflected Him. And hopefully we're to bless other people in the process. Right? So, Proverbs 25 is also a really good indicator and help for us as far as vows and pledges go. It says it is a trap to dedicate something rashly and only later to consider one's vows. You know, it's just, it's, it's dangerous and a bad move to just rush into something even though it might seem really good and really enticing and it might seem promising. Um, but for us, you know, as Christians, we certainly want to take that time to get that prayer, to get that education, and surround ourselves with good information. And then, you know, you think about it later, it's a trap. And there is a person in the Bible who paints a really good picture for this. Unfortunately, because it kind of stinks the way it ends up for him. And in your bulletin, I think I put his name in there for you, I think. Um, yes kind of right in the middle there, uh, you actually pronounce that name Yipta. Yipta, believe it or not. I, like, I always had a hard time. I would always say Jephthah, you know, which has nothing to do with it. It doesn't work that way. If you know phonics, it just doesn't work. But Yipta. Uh, and if you want to read about this guy this week, I encourage you to do that and check it out if you have nothing to read from the Bible at all this week. I don't know how that could be the case, but if you're looking for something to read, uh, you can read Judges 11. And his story is in there. And it's a pretty interesting story. Basically, Yipta um, was born, uh, his, his dad um, was with a prostitute and had him. And he had other quote-unquote legitimate brothers and sisters. That was from the real mom. Uh, but he was born uh, from a prostitute. And because of that, uh, he basically got forced right out of his family. They chased him um, out of the family and literally chased him out of town, out of where they were living. And what had happened is that over time, as he grew up, he became a really great warrior, just a good fighter, just good in battle, a guy that you wanted to have on your side, on your team. And at this point in time, while some time had gone after he was kicked out of the family, 
moved out, kind of became a warrior. Uh, he was in kind of a neighboring nation. And, he, and uh, the Jews in Israel, they were in trouble. Some people were knocking on their door and they wanted to fight against them. And they really didn't have like really a go-to leader, really at all. And that's kind of like what the book of Judges is about. They just, just really serious leaders. And they didn't really have any at that point in time. And so what they did is they reached out to this guy and they said, hey, listen, you know, um, we're sorry, you know, before for kicking you out of our nation, basically. Um, and we would really love to have you come join us and lead us to fight against this army that's coming up. Um, and of course, he's a little hesitant. Um, and they said, no, you know, we, we put that behind us, you know, we acknowledge that we did you wrong and we want you. And he goes, okay. I'll come on your side and I'll, I'll try and help. And so what he, does, what he does is he sends a letter to the main army, to the nation that's trying to attack Israel. And then in the letter he says, hey listen, um, we're, not, we're trying to figure out why you actually want to attack us. He's trying to be like diplomatic about it. And so he says, listen, I don't know why you're trying to attack us. He said, um, you know, we know that God gave us this land. You know, earlier on, you know, he, he delivered it really into our hands. And um, the nation that was occupying where we are right now, that was before us, you didn't come after them and fight them, but now, you know, you're coming after us. Um, and it seems like there's no way we can budge on this thing. And it's pretty obvious we're going to have to go to war. And so what happens is, uh, they actually end up going to war. And so the night before the war, Yipta gets on his knees and prays. And he says, God, he says, if you deliver these people into my hands, the first thing that comes out of my house in celebration when I return, I'm going to dedicate it to you. First thing. Without really thinking about, you know, what he's saying. That's what he said. And so, sure enough, God delivers his nation into their hands. He comes home. Who comes walking out of the door first? His daughter. Ah. His daughter comes walking out first. Daughter who's not married, who's a virgin. And he says, oh no, you know. Then it hits him. And he says, oh, I wish, you know, that you did not come out of the house. And, she, you know, then they weep together, they cry together. And she says, Dad, you know, let, let me just go hang out with my friends for a while. Let me just kind of enjoy life for a while. And then, you know, I know I'm going to be dedicated to the Lord, which really, you know, meant working in the temple and just really being, you know, that would be her life. And so for Yipta, he didn't really consider his vow and what he was saying. He was so moved by what was going to happen, what was going to transpire, but he didn't really think at all about what he was saying before God. You know, and it's really an extreme kind of vow, but it's something that we certainly want to think about, you know, for sure. Because the next question for us, the follow-up for us, you know, in 2012 is our own relationship with Christ. You know, if we call ourselves Christ followers and Christians, that's a pretty heavy-duty vow. That's a pretty heavy-duty oath. And so as we see, Jesus takes that stuff, you know, extremely, extremely seriously. And we'll talk more about that in one second. Um, but as far as closing, you know, in closing, um, you know, in one sentence, basically, we're called, you know, to have 
integrity in word and deed. I mean, essentially, that's really pretty much it. Um, and integrity, word and deed, the way God describes it, the way the Bible describes it. Because a little bit differently than the way the world describes it. We have to be people who don't have to add anything to our speech, and we can and should be sincere speech people, right? That should be our goal, that should be our desire. Um, but of course, the question might come up what if we're on the other end, right? What if we're on the other end? We're not the ones, you know, with the word of the deed, we're on the other end receiving, you know, maybe some injustice, you know, from somebody else that, like, man, they gave me the word, they promised me, they told me, they said. That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Because at that point in the game, it's almost like, and I say almost, it's almost like we have a right to hold on to that and just like, you know, ride that one for a while. Ride that wave of just bitterness and resentment. And I think there should be a time period of that, you know, that involves healing. But at the same time, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, Christ followers, forgiveness at some point has to enter into the picture and has to be a reality. Because you said... You know, if you understood the way I forgave you and the price that it cost for you, you'd understand that you've got to go and forgive that other person. You've got to go and do it. And so closing here, I mean, I think that we have to. We have to just think right now, is there anything that we need, anything that we need to repent of or ask God forgiveness for, for not following through on? Some sort of vow, pledge, word, commitment to somebody else, somewhere, sometime, that we really never owned up to. You know, do we need to repent of that and ask God for forgiveness of that? It may even involve maybe even contacting that person and telling them, you know, sorry about that. And then the next follow-up question to that, I think, should be, and these are both in the bulletins, what is a current vow, commitment, or oath that I'm currently involved in that I need to really follow through on and have quote-unquote sincere speech and really have integrity with. What is that? And then we'll close with this thought right here. As far as our commitment, you know, to Christ. Because the interesting thing is that God's Word, His speech is totally sincere, perfect, all the integrity in the world behind it. And if it's really true, if it's really true what he says in the Bible, that Jesus actually came, died for our sins, rose again, right? We have to respond to that. You have to respond to that. Um, and so what we'll do, we're going to stand. We'll stand now and we'll close in prayer. Um, but as we're standing... Um, I'd like us just to think about as far as what our relationship with God, you know, really looks like. Um, because, as we all know, um, you know, time certainly is not guaranteed at all. Time is not guaranteed. We have no idea what tomorrow might hold. I mean, as I drive out here today, it might be the end for me. And um, it would kind of stink because I look forward to like talking with Jaron maybe a little bit and having a conversation and seeing that cute little guy laugh a little bit. Um, but who knows? I don't know, you know what God really has in store. But I can tell you um, that I do know if that book is true, if the Bible is really true, I have accepted that as my own 
in faith. And if that is true, I know that I'm going to be in heaven with God for sure. I can count on that vow. I can count on that pledge that Christ paid for me. I know that. And if you don't know that, and if you have any doubt at all, and you're unsure, now is a great time to be sure about it. Now is a perfect time to be sure about it. And so what we'll do is we'll close our eyes, we'll bow our heads, and if you would like to be sure, be confident, and actually take God up on His vow and on His oath for His love for us, uh, what you can do is you can just repeat after me. You don't have to say it out loud. You say it to yourself. And you can say, God, um, I believe in your word. I might not know everything and about everything, uh, but I have a stirring within me, and I know that it's true. And I believe in Jesus, and I'm asking for you to be Lord of my life. I don't even know what that might look like, but I'm asking you to be Lord of my life. And when I get confused and frustrated, I will reach out to other Christians I know and trust. And for the rest of us, um, we just ask God that you would help us to be people of our word, Lord, that there would be true integrity uh, behind what we do. May we really carefully calculate you know, what we commit to, uh, what we agree to, the type of vows that we make, and may we truly put the relationship that we have with you as the center, as the most important things in our lives. Help us this week, Lord, just to uh, give you that time that you need to work in our hearts, Lord. Because you're worth it, Father. And so, God, we just uh, thank you for this morning, Lord. Pray that you keep everybody safe uh, as they travel home. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. And so uh, we got refreshments downstairs. Um, so please uh, join us downstairs for some uh, refreshments and hanging out. Um, and also, if uh, you, know, you made a commitment to Christ, uh, please uh, let me know. Or maybe um, uh, the usher that kind of greeted you in this morning. Uh, but other than that, have a great day.